Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, damas y caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leaving Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-hosts, Amilcar and Kenny. I'm going to pass it over to Kenny really quick, because uh, we had some very sad news that happened yesterday uh, with uh, Kobe Bryant. So, uh, Kenny? All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, Kobe Bryant and his uh, 13-year-old daughter passed away yesterday uh, in a helicopter crash on the way to basketball practice. And uh, so several of her teammates and a couple of her teammates' parents also passed away in the plane crash. It is very sad news for us to hear. The Black Mamba, you know, long live his legend forever. The guy was an amazing basketball player, an amazing father, family man, a great role model to many. Uh, I have uh, so many friends, so many acquaintances who are distraught. I've had friends cry. I've seen friends literally let tears out for because of Kobe and the respect that they have for him. Uh, it's very sad to see him go, you know, su- such a big role model, such a great influence. Uh, you know, he-, he taught people about so many things uh, uh, regarding sports, regarding life, regarding, you know, going hard at you want, at what you love, going hard at life. Uh, the-, the-, the Black Mamba, the eye of the tiger that he had, the killer instincts, you know, uh, it-, it carries a lot of people, a lot of boxers, including Terrence Crawford. The man had a great love for boxing, too. He released his own boxing uh, shoes. Not a lot of people knew about that. and But, yeah, you know, I just want to, uh, you know, give some love, give a shout-out, and, you know, let us take a, a, a quick moment, uh, you know, to send them off peacefully. So let's take this, these 30 seconds and uh, give them this moment of silence. Okay, thank you so much. That meant March 30 seconds. Thank you so much, David and Miller, for all the listeners yeah. for joining us on those 30 seconds of silence. Absolutely, Absolutely man. R.I.P. To, uh, to Kobe, one thing I'll say about Kobe is that he was a figure that uh, whose who's reach extended far beyond the sport of basketball. Uh, I'm someone who grew up watching Kobe. He came into the league when I was a kid. He came straight out of high school, which was a trailblazing kind of thing. Also, he's a guy that spoke multiple languages, Italian, Spanish, French, um, and was a big sports fan, not just basketball, but boxing. Uh, He was a big football fan, soccer fan. I mean, and he, he, you know, you'd see him at World Cup, at Champions League stuff. So, yeah, big up to Kobe Bryant and, uh, you know, salute to all of his uh, his fans around the world, uh, many of whom are, are likely listeners of this show. Yeah, you know, I mean, I know of him, 
you know, uh, uh, because a lot of my family members are in really in the basketball. My business partner is a huge boxing um, basketball fan. Um, but, you know, that's why I was like, I want to let Kenny, because I know Kenny is a, is a massive uh, basketball fan. He follows that sport religiously. Um, but, you know, my heart goes out to the family, um, his wife and, 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 and the other kids, uh, to everybody in his family. It's, that's a man, that's just a really tough thing to even think about. Um, you know, you know, you can have the whole world in your hands and then the next moment it's not there anymore, you know? So really tough, man. Um, yeah. Sad news. All that being said, just, uh, make sure you appreciate your loved ones, love your own life, love all those around you. They could be gone at any moment. Yeah. So it's all through. Yep. Exactly. All right. right, Well, uh, you're back here. And uh, yeah. we are live on YouTube, so if you guys want to watch our ugly mugs, you absolutely you can. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyways, um, we're going to change the beat here now. We're going to go back to talking about boxing here on Leave It a Ring. A lot of stuff to talk about. Um, sorry about last week. I don't know what happened, man. Um, things just went haywire. Just, uh, you know how it is when you do a live show. Especially, it's not a real live show with Leave It a Ring something technical doesn't happen here right so what am i gonna do what am i gonna say you know we just got to keep going and stuff so we're back here if you want to call you certainly can 347-215-7598 we're gonna open up the phone lines in about 20 minutes after the hour of us here starting here on leaving the ring but let's do some catch up last week we had some fights on showtime guys i don't know do you guys still you have do. your showtime uh subscription or did you do it uh via radio style well, I, I actually stream through the uh, Showtime app. Uh, if you have Roku like I do, you can watch Showtime programming live. Uh, it's something that I always wish HBO did when they still did boxing. Showtime kind of jumped on it a lot sooner. Well, they jumped on it. HBO never did. So, yeah, you can watch right. boxing if you have the Showtime app or if you have a friend or family member that has the Showtime app. Yeah, I stream this for Showtime. Use my father's yeah. subscription. He has Verizon. You know, hey, it worked out perfectly. Yeah, I still got my. You know, I'm, I'm probably one of the last of the Mohicans that still have their uh, subscription on uh, Showtime. I had canceled my HBO, but then I actually went and uh, last week I ended up getting HBO again because of the Outsiders series, uh, the Stephen Ooh, King. That's a good one. Right, right. So that's why I got it. Yo, I wanted to watch crazy. It. Yo, it's crazy. Uh, Bateman's a great actor. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, he had that show on Netflix, too, that was really good. Ozarks. This one's Ozark. up there oh, with bro. it. That's Yo, this really one's up there one. with it. And don't yeah. forget Larry David, Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's back on show on uh, HBO, too. I heard. Yep, yep. You know, I was never a big Curb Your Enthusiasm, to tell you the truth. I, honestly, I'll tell you what. I've never given it a chance. But I keep hearing yeah, okay. that, oh, man, you got to give it a shot, shot you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, I'll tell you what I didn't give a chance. Uh, I wanted to see what uh, Jared Swift heard, uh, how he was going to look in his comeback fight after losing to uh, Julian Williams. I wanted to see if really was he going to change his style? What did the new trainer do for him? Um, you know, the overall of, of we were hoping – well, I was hoping not to see what I saw on Saturday night when he, the way he came out, to tell you the truth, guys. I mean, 
You know, I, the first round, honestly, I was like, uh, he didn't look comfortable at all. Um, he looked very confused. Um, if you guys watched his movement, when he was moving backwards, when he was trying to do an Arison uh, Laura style, he was hunching his back. Did you guys notice that? He would hunch his back and then he like kind of like trying to push himself, you know, because he's so big that you could tell he's not very mobile. He's got like Frankenstein feet. Um, and I'm sitting there going, this is not going to work if you got in with Williams again. It's not going to work if it gets in with, uh, with Jason Rosario. It's, this is definitely not going to work if it gets in with Charlo. Uh, it worked with that kid, Francisco Santana, who he had faced. Luckily, he did face him that, on that Saturday night. But I don't know about you guys. I don't think the footwork and, and everything should be taught to this kid. I think, personally, I think he should stick to what he is good at, which is coming forward, but only add some head movement side to side and a strong, stiff jab to push your opponent back to the ropes where your style of, 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 of coming under needs some guys' punches really works. It crams up them against the rope. They feel trapped, and then you can tee off of that. What I saw on Saturday night was a guy, to me, was getting paid very well to, to still trying to learn a craft, which that's not what we tuned in to watch. I don't want to watch you learn something on the fly. I mean, not on the fly, but, you know, I want to I, – I tuned in to watch Herd come out there and be destructive. Well, I think that's what the setup was supposed to be. Uh, Francisco Chia Santana right. was brought in to be the Chia pet that, you know, was advertised on television throughout my childhood. You know, I don't know if you remember Chia Pet. Oh, I remember it. Right. I mean, he he was brought in to essentially be cannon fodder for Jared Hurd. And, you know, I usually don't like matchups like this, cause, but I always watch them. I like more even matchups. And I was just really not impressed. I was actually more impressed by uh, by Chia Santana than I was by Hurd. Chia Santana is a guy who came up from 147 pounds. I to know. fight at a catch weight, to fight at a catch weight, all right, against a guy who was a much bigger, former unified 154-pound fighter. And he is not the fastest guy. He's definitely not uh, a guy with the most punching power. But yet, he troubled her. And her really couldn't do with Gia Santana what he wanted. Now, yeah, that's uh, that's New York City. <laughs> I think yeah. that's, that's Manhattan and not the Bronx tonight. Yeah, they're coming. They're coming around my way, but they're not coming for me. I promise. But, yeah. um, <laughs> no, just, so, uh, yeah. So, coming, sorry, sorry. That's that's the ponytail police for for Kenny right now. You still got that ponytail, yeah, Kenny? <laughs> you already know. Ah, he's got that Steven Seagal. He's rocking that Steven Seagal style. <laughs> Definitely. Just to return to what I was saying, I, I was not impressed by her. And I think the most troubling thing about his performance on on Saturday is that you look at a performance like that and you really can't envisioning him I can't envisage him having much success no. against other fighters at 154 <laughs> or worse than that at 160 pounds because Let's not forget, this fight was not set for 154 pounds. This was a catchweight fight where he didn't have to make yeah. the 154-pound limit. 
So what's he going to look like when he's got to lose those extra pounds? Or what is he going to look like when he's got to move up and fight bigger guys? You know who could could beat him right now? The way he came out on Saturday, you know who beats him? Jaime Morgia. Jaime Morgia would would swallow that style. I I can see that. You know, I take that fight um, right now think, if I'm Jaime yep. Munguia. Call yep. Oscar, to, um, call Eric Gomez, make that fight. Yep. Um, I think uh, uh, Jared heard, uh, I think he looked better only in one sense, and that is that he was much more active in the first four rounds than he usually is because he was trying to test out that jab. Uh, besides his activity, he uh he looked extremely slow. His punches looked very slow. Uh, he was crowding his own punches when he tried going on the inside to throw his little uppercuts. He, he always crowds his own punches. Uh, for a guy that's so big, when once his punch lands on one of these smaller guys, he should be clobbering them. Like, 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 uh, like uh, what's his name? Like Deontay Wilder type of clobbering with the type of body that he has versus the guys that he's fighting, you know? Uh, he also has extremely long reach and awkward footwork like you said i agree with you david that he should uh uh move forward continue his style of moving forward with a very strong stiff jab he was definitely trying to work on the jab in this match and it looked okay definitely needs some work and he definitely needs to put a little bit of pop in that jab because i didn't really see uh his opponent feeling it like his opponent was just coming forward he was really eating all the damage uh i thought the fight was kind of boring uh, he should go back to what he was doing and make it more entertaining. The the, the fights that I saw before of Jerry Heard, the, the, when he won the belt, and a- after he looked very entertaining in this fight, it was just kind of boring. It looked like uh, he had a, a game plan that wasn't too great, didn't fit his style, but he was still trying to execute and look good doing it. Heard to me was like, he was like trying to summon the spirit of Laura. Mm-hmm. You know, like he wanted to be more on that fight, be the boxer and the mover and run around the ring. And it it, it just didn't, you know, listen, you know, this, the trainer he has is an experienced guy. He works with uh, uh, Olympians going overseas to compete. Uh, So you can't say that the trainer doesn't have experience to train the guy. But sometimes I say, look, don't try to, change the whole game plan, you know, maybe add a little bit. But it, what I saw was that this trainer was basically, you know, crumbling the whole blueprint, right? And then throwing it out the window and bringing himself a new player to be, you know, Jared Hurd. I mean, we, we saw Jared Hurd there with our own eyes. He was there, but it wasn't Jared Hurd that, that, was performing. It was, it was a completely different fighter. So I think what Hurd and them need to do is really go back to the drawing board because like you mentioned, uh, uh, a is that they had a guy come up from 147 and was having some semi success against a big, I mean, when I was watching this fight, it literally looked like me play fighting with one of my kids back when they were eight, nine years old. I'm a much bigger guy, and I had a little guy, you know, throwing punches, and I'm just sitting there, you know, letting him do what he wants to do because I'm not going to get hurt. That's what I was witnessing, you know. And to me, he deserved all the boos, but that the boos really were honestly should have been received more to the coach because he did a terrible job. I had to say it, you know, I, he just did a very terrible job 
and how he was trying to guide this kid. Don't change his game plan, his style. Don't change who he is, his stripes. Just keep him the way he is. Just add a little bit. There's little subtle things that you could do with with Gerald, you know, uh, with with Hurd. You know, just very little subtle things. It wasn't – I wasn't convinced at all. Uh, And like I said, I think Jaime Murguia, uh, I think any of the guys, I think Charlo probably stops him with that type of a style because he's running back and he's kind of like, you know, dumbfounded with his feet. Uh, I think Williams beats him even this year in in a rematch, to tell the truth. Go ahead. I was going to say in terms of the the trainer uh, who you brought up, there's a big difference between Olympic-style amateur boxing and professional-style boxing. I mean, yes, he has a track record training U.S. Olympians, but let's be frank, the U.S. Olympic program has not produced a lot of successful results in international competition in quite some time. So, you know, whether it's the uh, (coughs) World Championships, AIBA, whether it's the Olympic Games – the United States has not really been a leader in world amateur boxing for a while. So, yes, he's got those credentials, but does that necessarily translate over to the pros? Not necessarily. No. You know, I saw I saw a guy who had an identity crisis in terms of not really knowing what style he wanted to utilize there in the ring. It was mentioned that he was trying to kind of mimic James Tony during the broadcast. I mean, James was Tony was schooled in that. <laughs> For, for so such a long time, um, right. it's not something you just pick up in a training camp, you know. And then in terms of Laura, Laura, honestly, is one of the best pure boxers we've seen in the past a decade or two. Right. You know that style again was was honed um, on La Finca outside La Habana in, in Cuba. And again, Hurd's not going to predict pick that style up from an no. amateur boxing no. coach in Colorado Springs. You know, so the problem with him going back to his previous style is that the luster is has been removed. The shine is no longer there on that gold. Uh, J-Rock kind of removed that, that aura of invincibility that uh, Heard kind of had in terms of his rock-solid chin and a guy who was willing to take five or six to land one or two. And like you said, Kenny, he has a tough time navigating that space between using, utilizing his reach where he should be most effective, but because of his slowness, he gets countered very easily. And then he doesn't I- exactly dominate the inside space because he struggles there. So <laughs> he should be tall and effective, but the problem is his jabs and his his, his his long rights are, are so slow that uh, guys at 154 and 160 can really counter them. But then he's got yep. a guy coming up who's 25 wins, uh, seven losses, and only 12 KOs, and he struggles yeah. with them like that. It, it's not, it's not, um, it, you know, it's not a momentum boost or a confidence boost uh, like it was supposed to be. Not, no. not looking good in that sense. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, it, for a guy his size, yeah, uh, he should definitely have more power in that punch. It, it seems like the smaller guy is eating the punch. It's not even stinging him, you know, uh, which, yeah, he's too, he's too big, too long, and too slow to not have a lot of punch, pop in that punch. He, like, 
imagine da uh, Daniel Dubois with no power. You know what I'm saying? That, and, you, and even Daniel Dubois is more agile, if you ask me at least, for in his weight division. And wait, yeah, and Daniel Dubois it's, it's, got yeah. an excellent jab. Excellent jab, and it's strong and fast and stiff. Yeah. Strong in both hands. Strong in both yeah, hands. Absolutely. Excellent job. Has popping both. You know. And, and, and so for me, that heard in order for him to, I guess, get back to that level where uh, when he was once champ, that he was uh, uh, that people thought he was great. I think that he needs to uh, really add a little bit of speed and some pop to both his hands, his jab and his uh, his uppercuts and hooks. You know, because. Honestly, the, the, the power and the size was, was his advantage before against dudes like Lara uh, and the previous dudes he, he beat after he became champ, you know? You know, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, what if, if the trainer, first off, I completely, every, I completely agree with everything you said, Milkar, about a, a, an Olympian or an amateur trainer trying to make the transition as a pro trainer. It's completely different. It's apples and oranges here. Um, yeah. But it almost seemed like the trainer didn't even bother to see who Heard was going to fight next to have an adjustment to, to, to see whether or not he was going to need all that extra stuff that he was feeding him, you know, because if he would have watched it, he would have said, oh, OK, this guy's moving up to 100 from 147. This guy only has 12 knockouts under his belt. Um, this is a guy that we should be walking down, not running away from. You know, if anything, if I could see a style working for Hurd, which be would, would be more like a like a like a Ike Corte or a Joshua Kalati, the uh, guard up high, covering the torso up here and jabbing his way in. You know, speaking about hand speed, Kenny, I don't know if, if he can learn. I mean, it's it's either you have it or you don't. I mean, you could probably yeah. try to pick it up a little bit. But if one thing that they should do is have him do a lot of sprints, short sprints, yeah. suicides, to have a, a good burst in his legs so that he's quicker on his feet so he can close that distance. That's what they should be working on. A, a, his guard up high, jab in, close distance. So then he can work, like I said, he could do his uppercuts, he could work to the body, he can literally walk his man down. His jab, to me, shouldn't be a range finder. His jab, to me, should be a jab to push his opponent back. Shorten out the ring. Whenever the guy wants to step to yeah. the right, you step to the right with them. When the guy wants to step to the left, you step to the left. You cut off that ring. Just start making it smaller and smaller. And that's why his footwork has to be a little bit up to par. Not boxing backwards. Not trying to be light on your feet. But being able to make sure you cut off every option of your opponent in front of you. That's what they should be working on. The new stuff, throw it out the door. It's not going to work for this kid. You know, he was struggling out there, man. I mean, he just looked – I kind of felt bad for him. You know, and when he said – when he said in his post-interview, uh, this is what we wanted, I was like, you lying motherfucker. It's the poor combination of an inability to execute a technique and an inability to execute a strategy. I, The techniques were not there. In terms of the shoulder roll, the game Tony, the game Tony shoulder roll, and they weren't there in terms of yo, know, it's super hot tonight in, in Manhattan. I was gonna say, I'm in the Bronx and it's quiet. 
Hey, I don't know what's going. I don't know what's going on out there. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. It was me. <laughs> so uh, no, I'm, I was just saying, David, that the issue of technique uh, with the James Tony imitation and the lack of a coherent strategy in terms of not knowing what to do on the inside and fighting so much on the back foot against an undersized, relatively lower-skilled opponent, not to knock Chia Santana. He is what he is, but he was a journeyman at 147 pounds. So, you know, and and then at some point, I'm sure we'll transition to the uh, Danny Garcia fight in the main event and discuss that one as well. Yeah, we're going to move to that right now. This is my fa- final thought about, about Hurd. Uh, I'll give him two things. They got the win. They did get that win. Uh, it wasn't um, exciting. It wasn't very entertain- entertaining, but he got it, okay? The second thing is discipline. That's one thing that I did see, and you got to give him credit for, is very disciplined because for him to stick to a style that really honestly, and, and I think everybody that watched it, viewed it, uh, could say and agree on that it just wasn't working for him. Um, he could have got, he should have been able to gotten uh, uh, Francisco out of there a lot. I mean, I mean, he should have been able to knock him out. You know, that's what we all expected. But kudos because even though it wasn't working, guys, I was surprised because I was like, after the third round, I'm like, okay, he's got to go back to who he was, right? He's gonna realize this is not working uh, because when you dangle that little carrot right in front of you, right, that carrot's being dangled in front of you, and and. You're going to take that bait, and that carrot was Francisco Chi uh, Santana, and he never took the bait. He stuck to his plan, uh, which was listen to his trainer and try to be the Arizona Laura of the fight, and I got to give him applause for that because that's very difficult, in my opinion, not to let the beast out, you know, whereas, uh, you know, um, the guy that fought uh, uh, Pacquiao, they let the animal out of the cage, and he, look what happened to him, where I was waiting for Hurt's animal to come out of the cage, and it just never happened. So that's that. Uh, let's, Sorry, let's, guys. I lost audio for a little bit. No worries, brother. So let's move on to uh, Danny Garcia, the other Swift here. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I got to tell you this. Nobody was too excited about the, you know, Ratcats take getting this fight. He had a good performance uh, over Alexander, uh, Devon Alexander, the great. Um, but I, I don't think anybody was really convinced that he was going to be the guy that was going to hand up the upset card. I mean, we were hoping. I mean, a lot. Of, I think a lot of folks because we had an upset happen uh, two weeks ago. But I don't think any of us thought that here. Um, what I noticed with, with Garcia now, Danny Garcia, he's a one-handed fighter, but on Saturday night, he was able to put punches together, but you have to look at the opponent. You know, the opponent was very hesitant. After he got clipped with some good shots with the, from the right hand of Danny Garcia, he really went on uh, survival mode. Um, you know, I mean, he got a little hungry in the mid-rounds, bit Garcia on the shoulder. It was all based out of frustration, but Danny Garcia going on from here on, I mean, I just don't see I, – I see Danny now just being the guy that uh, is going to fill in the other corner as the opponent to – because he's a, he's a much bigger name, not a huge name, but he is a recognizable name among our, us hardcore fans. I don't know if he is with the casual fans, but he does draw attention because he does have a punch. He's got that right hand. But I don't know exactly where to place him. 
off of this performance. Emil Carr, I don't know what you thought, but I really sat there and was like, I don't know what to do. What, what, I mean, what, what do we say about him? Well, you know, I'm, I'm out here in New York City, and I was actually close to going to that fight. Uh, mm-hmm. Danny Garcia, for whatever reason, doesn't fight in Philly. Uh, he fights a lot at the Barclays Center, and he does draw reasonably well. Um, you know, he's – I actually like Danny Garcia in the way he fights. He fights within himself. He fights within his skill set. He knows what he's good at. He doesn't try True. to overextend himself and do things kind of outside of his skill set, and I respect that a lot. I love his his left hook, obviously. And I like his right hand, too, when he throws it. And when I really like it is when he gets a guy against the ropes or in trouble and he lands like a three- or four-punch combination or at least throws it. This fight, red catch, it wasn't very inspiring. Uh, I mean, between the poor weather and the opponent, I just decided to watch it at home. I actually found myself dozing off a little bit uh, towards the end of the fight. Uh, It was tough to to stay alert uh, during the fight. And... You know, but I don't blame Danny Garcia for this because had it not been for the Errol Spence uh, drinking and driving situation, he would have been fighting Spence. And I'm sure losing that fight was a little bit of a letdown for Danny. Where does he go? You know, this was pretty much a stay busy fight. You know, they're talking about Pacquiao. Um, they're talking about Pen- really? Spence. Personally, I think that the Spence prior to the accident um, handled Danny, and I think that the Pac-Man that uh, handled Thurman also hand- handles Danny as well. Um, but, you know, he's he's a solid opponent. I don't know if we're going to see him win a major title again, at least at 147. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a kind of a workman-like opponent against uh, – sorry, a win against an opponent that was brought in essentially to Danny Busy. I don't know if we ever see him winning a title again, uh, because his only option is to go up and wait to 154. I don't, uh, he's getting older. I don't know if he could go back down to 140. So, you know, yeah, I don't see him winning a I don't know what you said, but does he have enough tricks in the bag to move to 154 and you can like remain with the same amount of speed that he hasn't punched the same power, be effective 154? Being the smaller guy that he'll be now in 54, I don't really see it. Um, he's yeah. a good fighter. He could be a he could bring in the crowd. I don't really see him being a champ, but uh, maybe he could be like the second or third fight on the card or something. You know, I always, I mean, I always have this question where I think like after after I see a, after I start thinking that a fighter can no longer win a title, I start thinking. What, is he a gatekeeper or some shit now? Is this the guy to beat before you can get a title match, you know? Hmm. I think that's where it's going to end up going to. Um, you know, the thing, I think here's, here's a few things about him going 154. I don't see him doing that. There's no reason because there's still a lot of potential big fights for him. And I think that that's anybody, like if uh, uh, Pacquiao, it's a very sellable fight. Uh, a rematch with Thurman still very sellable. Um, you know, we could still go uh, uh, with Porter. You could still sell that fight. Uh, I know people are going crazy that he didn't mention Crawford, but I back again. They don't need Crawford. Um, you know, I mean, if you're paying your guys well enough to k- still try to go keep it in house, 
they're not going to, there's like no urgency for them to look outside. Uh, whereas we see Bob Arum now talking about Conor McGregor and Crawford, two fight deal. See, that to me shows a little bit of, of urgency. Uh, there's a little, there's something between the lines there, which we'll bring up, we'll talk about in a short bit after we're done with Garcia. But I, yeah. I don't see reason for Garcia to move up. Um, you know, the thing with Garcia no. is you have a kid that when he started his career at 140, he was a boxer, if you guys remember that. You know, people didn't like his style. Um, and this kind of happens to a lot of boxers. Uh, it happened to Robert Guerrero. It happened to Lamont Peterson. They were Their style was more to box, but it wasn't pleasing. Fans didn't gravitate to it. Fans didn't care for it. So they changed it up a little bit. After Danny Garcia knocked out Amir Khan, he become he became more uh, flat-footed. You know, he he become more you know um, come to me so I can land the big punch because he realized he does carry a big big punch. But with those type of cases, when a guy leaves what got them started and changes their style, which actually works because it becomes more sellable to the audience, it's very hard for them to transition back to who they were because they have older feet and they get stuck in the mud in the mind frame. I got to knock out this guy. So that's why I think Danny, in my opinion, is a very, it's going to be very hard for me to say that he has a winnable fight against Manny Pacquiao or he has a winnable, uh, you know, it's winnable for him against Spence. If anything, these are just, to me right now, Danny is just a body for them to put in front of these two superstars because they're still in-house. They could still work it. They could still generate money, and they could still pay their fighters what they promised. That's the whole reason I see Danny still involved in the 147, you know. Until he starts figuring out, man, I either got to change it up a little bit or maybe take what you're saying, Kenny, move up to 154, or it might be a little bit, I don't know. Um, he's not going to be facing quicker guys, but I, I still don't see that. I don't think his body can carry it. He doesn't have the frame, yeah, the bigger move. frame. Yeah, you know, it's kind of difficult. I, Go for it. I, mean, I, don't see uh, that. I don't see that as being possible. I think Danny's yeah. a natural 140-pounder. He's not a very big welterweight, as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, he can take a punch, but oh, his problem can. with moving up to 154 pounds is going to be his size and his ability really to box effectively against, look, we've got Charlo, right? We've got Rosario. We've got Lada as, as old as he is. We've got even the Brazilian Patrick Teixeira. I I don't see him being effective against any of those guys. Yeah. If he is going to win a title, it's probably going to be like a minor title, like the WBA regular, which uh, Bisputin currently holds. Maybe he could go after that, but he'd make way more money fighting Pac-Man or fighting Spence when Spence gets back into the ring. So, you know, he's got – a couple big paydays ahead of him, at least one, um, if against one of those two opponents. You know, one fight that they were talking about before, but then obviously uh, Garcia signed with DeZone. I'm talking about Mikey Garcia. Right. Would have been Mikey Garcia versus um, ver- versus Danny. And to me, that would have been an interesting fight because neither of them are really natural welterweights, and they both kind of have intangibles that, that could mesh there and make for a good fight a combination punching, fighting well on the inside, kind of both boxers that, that, that um, I, I just see their styles kind of meshing very well, especially when I think of them trading combination punches or left hooks. But 
dude, stay away from 154 pounds. And I agree. A, I, I, so you're, you're gonna get paid less money, and B, they're they're just too big for for Danny. Oh, way, yeah. way, way too big. Like I said, I don't think his bo- his body frame could even carry that. But, you know, I think he'll, he's going to look fat. But uh, going back with Mikey Garcia, that's an interesting fight. I mean, I don't agree with you, Amir Khan, when you say he's not the natural 147-pounder Garcia. I think he is. I think he's exactly where he should be at, at 147. Um, I think he carries the punch well. I think he takes punches very, very well. And he's dangerous every single round. Mikey Garcia, him facing Mikey Garcia, the only thing I, I, I think that stops him from beating the Mikey Garcia is Mikey's a very intelligent fighter. He's got a great jab. Yeah. He's got good footwork. He knows how to yeah. put the punches together. What beat Mikey with Spence is that the youth, the speed, and the overall of what Spence brings to the table. It's I don't think any guy... Uh, uh, um, in in the shoes of Mikey Garcia or, or even Danny Garcia are going to be that competitive against a Errol Spence Jr. Right now in his in his level where he's at his career, it's, I think it's really hard. Um, but I think Garcia could could make it very interesting if two things: if he if he realizes I am the bigger guy, I'm going to come after him. Um, I'm going to come after him, you know, and try to cut that ring off against Mikey Garcia push him back or is he going to do that or is he going to do what he did with rat uh, uh you know rat catch which is just basically let the guy come to him and that I, I think that's why he lost against thurman he really waited for thurman to come to him every time and when thurman decided to opt out of giving him what he wanted the fight the, the momentum of the fight completely changed and the round started going to thurman because remember uh, uh, you know, Garcia was landing some big shots when early on when Thurman was willing to go head and head with them. It was when Thurman decided to use his feet and be smart, the fight changed. The points started going towards Thurman. The rounds went to Thurman. So I see Mikey Garcia beating uh, uh, Danny Garcia, but no. that's only if Garcia doesn't wake up and say, I got to move. This is a smaller guy. And I don't see that uh, happening. I- I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. I think uh, um, first I want to say that the the Swift Garcia and Swift Herd, I'm going to call this the Swift Herd. Excuse (laughs) me, the the, the Swift Herd. Uh, Meaning they're not very Swift. that were uh, good at a certain style, then they switch in the way that they fight or trying to switch the style that they fight, and it's not working out. And they lost their belts. I'm going to call that the Swift Curse. But, uh, yeah, moving on to Mikey Garcia and Danny Garcia, I think uh, uh, I, I think that uh, Danny Garcia could possibly win that by knockout, but it depends because he would have to be way more active, like you said. And uh, I, I saw this interview of Keith Thurman talking about when he was fighting Danny Garcia. And uh, Keith Thurman said that his observation was that, that, that Danny Garcia is extremely patient. He's a He's a fighter that will just sit there and wait for you to try to count for you, to counter you, excuse me. So, yeah, he was, he was saying that Danny Garcia is extremely patient. He'll sit there all fight. He'll, he'll throw five punches around if he has to just to wait to counter you. So, you know, yeah, he, Danny Garcia has to be way more active. If he's going to fight like that, I don't know if it'll really work against a guy like Mikey Garcia because Mikey Garcia is a guy who lands punches and bunches. Um. But I do think that it is also a, a, a 
very possible for Danny Garcia to win a fight like this by a knockout because he has a lot to prove right now. Mikey Garcia is a smaller guy, and Danny Garcia packs a hell of a lot of punch in that fist. It's the power. You know, Golden Boy, Golden Boy, um, you know how they're always willing to play in everybody's sandbox. You know, I think they've all showed that they're willing to go to zone, they're willing to go to top rank, they're willing to do all that. I'll tell you who I like for, for Golden Boy, if they watch Saturday night, if they watch that fight Saturday night on Showtime, uh, Danny Garcia, and, and because the fact Mikey Garcia is going to be preoccupied with Jesse Vargas on the zone, if I was Golden Boy, I would be like, hey, Virgil, uh, how about we try to make that fight happen? You know, uh, you and Danny Garcia, that should be the, the move I would like to see because it's a major coming out party. For one, you're gonna be you're gonna if he was to be successful, he beats a guy that is a, a an ex champion who is a very recognizable name, and he's Puerto Rican, you know. And uh, and they could, I mean, I don't see why Golden Boy wouldn't say, let's go to the Barkley, you know, let's have it there, uh, uh, you know, let's fight, let's have uh, Virgil Ortiz's uh, uh, coming out party over there. I think that's a great fight, a great match, but I don't see Danny Garcia doing it because if he's promised Pacquiao or if he's promised Spence, you know, the only way that that happens is if Pacquiao says, no, 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 I'm going to interrupt the plans of Crawford and decide to take on Conor McGregor. You also, what you, guys forgot think? To, you, also, you also forgot to mention that Golden Boy, uh, they don't really take risks. You know, they're like the money team. They take the safe side, you know. So I don't really see them putting Virgil Ortiz under any risk of defeat, not at this point in his career. What do you mean they take risks? I mean, Canelo at the time of the first match when he fought Triple G, you know, everybody thought he was going to get murdered. And they, they believed in it. I mean, you know, they take risks. He was fighting dudes back. like Chavez uh, Jr. You know, like he, he had quite a few cherry picking. But you said they, they don't take risks, but they do. They take one. I mean, come on. Uh, you think you think Danny Garcia is a major? Okay. You you think? You, well, let me ask you. You think Danny Garcia is really a major risk risk for uh, Virgil Ortiz right now? Uh, it's a greater risk than I think Virgil Ortiz has faced thus far. He's a bigger guy, isn't Virgil Ortiz at 140? No, he's 147. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, uh, see, I was a little confused about that. I thought that Virgil Ortiz was at 40. Excuse me. But uh, 147, I guess, you know, it's less of a risk because he's already fighting at that way and could take that type of uh, punch. But, um, I want to see if he could take that yeah, punch from Danny. You know? I'd like to see if he could take the punch from Danny. i like to see because, you know what, even though Danny is the older guy, he would be coming in as the older champion. But, he, I mean, if he does, if, he do, if you engage with him and you force him to fight, he fights. And that's what I do like about Danny Garcia. Danny's always looking for that KO. It's not like he doesn't look for it. You know, when, t- when they talked about being patient, he is very patient because he knows that any punch that he throws and lands on point, it changes the whole, the whole fight. If he could drop you, knock you out, it changes the whole fight. But I, I like to see that fight. I-, I think they would. I mean, I mean, I don't think they would. I mean, I don't think Danny and them would be interested in a Virgil Ortiz right now. I just don't see that. But, I mean, I would love to see it if they would, you know, maybe, you know, dab a little bit into it. If, if Golden Boy was to say, hey, that's a good fight, and start bringing it up. Because 
Virgil Ortiz Jr., in my opinion, needs to start attaching his name to the other welterweights that are out there this year. Definitely. I agree with that 100%. He, he's a, a great fighter that could definitely make some noise in the division. But uh, I don't really see him getting a shot with any of the top guys, like any of the title holders. I don't really see them give Virgil Ortiz a chance because he's a threat. Most guys like to cherry pick for as long as they possibly can before taking the big match or something like you know. So, yeah, I don't really see Virgil Ortiz getting a shot in any of those guys. Um, <clears throat> so one more thing uh, that we had uh, that we we're about to discuss that was on our title is uh, the Crawford in the MMA, the possibility of that, Eesh. which is <laughs> crazy. Well, Bob Arum is saying this, okay? First match would be MMA. Then three months after that, it'd be a boxing match. Uh, I think that's a pretty brave prediction, Emil Carr. I don't know if you, what you think about that. To say MMA first in the cage against uh, a very seasoned UFC fighter. We've witnessed what he just did a few weeks back to the Cowboy Kid, right? Um, you know, uh, that's his domain. That's his world, you know, Conor McGregor. So to say, like, hey, let's let them do that. Let's let, because, you know, Crawford was a, 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 wrestler, a wrestler in in, in high school. What's, what does that I have heard to do with anything? <laughs> yeah. I was no, like, what is that guy doing? I heard it was middle school. Really? I just, middle I school? Just, honestly, this is, a, this is just a desperate attempt to keep Crawford's name in the headlines. He doesn't have an opponent. Um, top rank has no one of note. To, for him to fight um, middle of last year, they were talking about Kell Brook. Uh, you know, I mean, then they went off and fought Kavalishkis. Look, if you are going to do this, and I don't think they plan to do this, but I would do what I heard Tyson Fury uh, say that he would be interested in. And it's what I thought Floyd McGregor should have been had uh, that fight actually been a serious fight, let them fight boxing, right? But have them wear the UFC gloves. Hmm. That's weird. Let, the, let them fight That's in boxing. Yeah. You, could even, you could even put it in the cage, but it's a stand-up fight wearing the grappling gloves. <clears throat> you know, uh, it's... Because, it's, look, there's no way uh, Connor versus Crawford is going to be a competitive fight. It just isn't. No. And Crawford's going to go for the KO. He's not going to do what uh, Floyd Mayweather did, which is walk down, you know, Conor McGregor. He's not going to do any of that. But even let's just, let's just you know, let's, let's do the hypothetical. If they were to fight in the cage first, for them to say three months out later than the, the, the boxing match, one, they're not anticipating injury. Two, they're not thinking about cuts. Uh, you, know, you know, if that was to happen – it really will shelf the fight for another six to nine months. Um, if he gets choked out, you know, I mean, we don't know if he gets a broken rib. We don't know his legs. I mean, it's just so yeah. many variables that the can problem, happen in the cage, you know. The, look, anyone who knows about mixed martial arts or combat sports, et cetera, understands that the defensive stance to protect yourself from a takedown is wide, right? It's wide, and right. You try to sprawl to kind of defend yourself from a takedown. Whereas that's to the total opposite of what you need to do to land a powerful punch. So Exactly. 
you know, you're either going to sprawl and try to not get taken down, right? Or you're going to stand up straight and get taken to the floor like a rag doll. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and what would be more effective, to be honest with you, I would think, than even a middle school wrestling background would be someone who's trained to throw kicks, which Crawford, from my understanding, is he's not because at least you'd be able to dance around a little bit and then somebody tries to, you know, go in for a takedown, you smack them with a leg kick, right, or or, right. or with a head kick. You know, it's it's just not anything that, that I see as realistic. As I said, top rank is right now doing the best they can. It's working. It's clickbait. Crawford's name is on, the, you yep. know, the, the sports websites and, you know, here we are talking about it, but I don't think that it's it's serious at, at all. If anything, it's, it's a tactic. Yeah, I was going to say they should reverse it. Yeah. It should be boxing first and MMA right. second, if, if anything. It's a tactic. I mean, look, this is when I saw the news about that, okay, when I read about it, um, immediately what I thought, okay, this is Bob's way of saying we have nobody for Crawford in the boxing world. You know, we need to shake up the we need to shake up the the tree a little bit here to try to you know get down some of these welterweights to fall. You know, um, we definitely need to make some type of noise because none of these other guys want to face my guy, and I have money. I have to cut this guy a check and keep him happy, satisfied, right? That was the, the first thing that came through my head, right? You know, the the, the second thing that that I thought about, I was like, why would Crawford want to agree with that right now? You know, I mean, you know, why would you want to agree on the MMA thing? That, that just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, you, I would, you know, the success would be the boxing match rather than the MMA match. And if anything, that's just more of a machismo move because he wants to prove I could do it. If Floyd didn't do it, he was scared. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I just think it's such a major risk for him to get in that cage and, 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 you know, and try to accomplish what Holly Holmes did. But I think a lot of people forget Holly Holmes was a kickboxer before she was a pro boxer. So her yeah. legs were her, her, her bread and, 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 and butter there. You know, she knew how to use her legs. She knew how to do the stance already. The only thing that she didn't know how to do was the grappling, which she had to go and learn. You could still see she's not fully developed in the grappling on the ground. She still hasn't really honed that down yet. But leg kicks and how to, how to maneuver around the ring, still being able to set up a front kick or a side kick, that's all her. That's why she was successful. It's not going to work. With a real traditional boxer, it's just—it's not, you know. Like I said it's apple and oranges. I just don't think that at this point in uh, Crawford's career, doing something like that would be intelligent. Like you guys said, you can get hurt in so many different ways. Uh, you can get some serious, some terrible cuts that, for boxing, could end the fight. That wouldn't end the fight in MMA, but in boxing, it would. You could break a bone, which will keep you out of boxing for even longer. You know, so. It's just an unnecessary risk that I don't think he will take. It's a, it sounds like a money move to me, uh, like, a, you know, the, trying to compare him to Mayweather, the whole uh, Mayweather did this, he can do it too, he's better than Mayweather, yada, yada. Um, honestly, he needs, you know what Bob Arum needs to do is just swallow the hard pill and just realize he needs Bob. He needs to call Bob. and I mean, I mean, he needs Al. He needs to call Al and say, okay, yeah. man. 
What you know? Yeah. What are we gonna do here? Let's 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 make something happen. That's what that's what Bob really needs to do. Um, because hey, like I said you a know, few screams ago, he needs to put the bullet yep. and uh, take the B side. Yeah, he's going to have to accept the pay cut. There's no doubt about it. Um, because the PBC does not need him, and he needs the PBC. You know? Uh, or, I mean, the other option, and you guys were talking about Virgil Ortiz earlier. I've been saying this for a while. The the other guy at the division is Alexander Bisputin, who we saw fight on the zone. I think that's a good opponent for Virgil Ortiz. Hmm. Potentially... You know, he he holds the WBA regular title. Um, it's, uh, you know, Terrence Crawford wants to go after that. The problem with that, though, is that with the money that Crawford wants to make or continue to make, he has to have name opponents that ESPN is going to green light um, to show either on ESPN Plus or on regular ESPN. And you look down the rankings – of the WBA, the WBC, the uh, IBF, and the WBO, there's just not really a lot of names that are going to drive the viewing numbers. So, you know, it, it, he's in a tough spot. You know that he is. I he's mean, in a tough spot. The way he's in a tough spot in the heavyweight division, you know, and that's why he signed on Baby Miller. Tyson Fury successful uh, with the uh, with Deontay uh, Wilder and. February, late February, the big question is, where does Tyson go from here, right? Uh, a lot of folks were kind of puzzled with the signing of Baby because they had a whole pharmacy in his blood system, you know, getting caught when he was supposed to face, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua, you know? So yeah. um, I think because they need it, they need a recognizable name. They need a villain um, to continue on whatever deal that they signed with Tyson Fury to keep feeding the beast there, you know, and that's what Crawford, I'm waiting when Crawford finally, if Crawford doesn't get nothing guys this year, I think it's going to be Crawford's time to start being, uh, uh, you know, uh, tank Davis on Twitter, start bitching and mo- moaning about your, your, your promoter, how he's not getting you fights and he's not doing this, you know, cause, uh, but I've, said, I've said this before, David, and I'm going to say it again. He knew what the situation was when he re upped his contract with top rank. You know, he he knew it. So he's he's in a situation right now. Like I said, he's got the WBO title. He did that by taking on Jeff Horn. He used his status as 140 pound champ to do that. Okay, so now he's got the WBO title. PBC doesn't recognize the WBO, and all he has are uh, a slew of you know contenders that are potential uh, mandatory opponents. Funny enough, the number one ranked contender at the, for, with the WBO is Danny Garcia. But, as we've been saying, Danny's got other options like Errol Spence and Manny Pacquiao. So, you know, it, it's tough. I've said it before. If he can get a Jordanis <laughs> Uzak, I'll actually watch that fight and be intrigued by it. Uh, but I don't really see too many people at, at, at 147 pounds that – I'd be interested in seeing him fight that aren't with the PBC. Yeah. I think the only, honestly, MMA fighter that I would actually was, I'm interested in seeing Manny Pacquiao and Connor. And only because I think Manny would beat the shit out of Connor really bad. In boxing. You know? 
In boxing, yeah. I think Manny's just, even at his age, 40-plus, uh, his hand speed, his footwork, everything, um, if he's able to drop a Keith Thurman in the first round, or was it the second round? I don't remember, first or second round. You imagine what he's going to do to Conor McGregor, you know? And I don't. There's imagine, no mercy. And could you imagine it with those little, small MMA gloves? What the fuck he do? <laughs> oh, my God. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's the only fight that I would honestly be interested in. Crawford and, and, and Conor McGregor, I mean, I would be interested in watching it, but only in the boxing ring. And also, I, I, Crawford is not a big enough name, in my opinion, for Conor McGregor to go like, I'm interested in that fight. Yeah, let me take that fight. Because Conor McGregor, man, he wants to make his money. He's, yeah. he's actually yeah. really about billions. You know? Absolutely. Unlike uh, A.B., you know? <laughs> and, and yeah, who's about uh, broke at the moment. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the, the last thing about this whole potential matchup is that I honestly don't see what Crawford brings to the table for Conor McGregor. He's not a I mainstream uh, media star. So yeah. No, he was a unified 140-pounder, okay, um, but he hasn't done much in the welterweight division, so he doesn't really hold a crown that he can offer up to Conor McGregor. You know, I mean, he, and he be, doesn't really have a voice, right? He so doesn't really it, talk it, much. He's not a strong presence on social media no. or when he's yeah. interviewed. Exactly, yeah. man. He's got more personality on Twitter, like I've said before, than on front of the camera. You know, but so that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't see how enticing the Conor McGregor of the worlds and Dana White would be. To, to even entertain the thought of McGregor and, and Crawford. The, I, the next, I just uh-huh. I was just gonna say sorry, David. The next big fight I see, and this is just gonna be patience on the on the uh, in terms of Crawford and patience on, in terms of us fans. The next big fight I see for him is the winner of the Taylor Ramirez fight if one of those two guys moved up moves up because yeah. they're both with top so um and it would be like the former undisputed 140 taking on the current undisputed 140. They're all all three of those guys are with Top Rank, and Taylor recently signed with Top Rank supposedly right. because he won the Crawford fight. So that that's it for Crawford. In, but that I, wouldn't even I, happen I, until 147. I just don't see it. Right. No, I agree with you. But here's the thing: that fight wouldn't even happen though until maybe early 2021. Really I agree. Think about it. You know, yeah, so what does Crawford do for a whole, right, you know, take the long vacation for a whole mm-hmm. year and sit back and watch all these other welterweights continue to, you know, stamp their feet into history? That's, that's crazy. The only, the only time I ever saw a welterweight take a long vacation to watch all the other welterweights intermingle with each other is when Floyd Mayweather retired for a short period. Because he didn't want to get in with the Kodos and the Margaritos and, and Kaladis and the, of, of, of the world, you know. He wanted them to fight it out before he made his comeback and pick and choose from the crop. That's the only what, time. Yeah. And that was a smart move to do. Crawford's in a completely different situation. He needs, totally, he needs totally. the crops what, that are right there growing. You know? What about... Uh, think, sorry, go ahead, Kenny. Uh, I was going to say that I just think uh, Crawford wants money. It's not. It's just not a good look. Uh, Crawford should definitely just think about the bigger picture and uh, just be the B side. Honestly, take a little less money for a little while. 
If, if you take the less money, you get a shot at beating these guys. If you become unified, you have the power to everything. Now you're the like the gatekeeper. The uh, you're the champ. You're the you're the you're the guy that everybody wants to fight now. Now you could call the shots. Now you could be the A side, and you could demand as much money and demand your venues and whatever else to to fight you. You know, it it, it just makes much more sense for him to think about the bigger picture and just take the B side temporarily. It's only temporarily. Like you said, Mayweather even pulled back for a little while, retired for a moment. He thought about the bigger picture. He didn't want to fight those guys. He thought about the bigger picture, continuing being undefeated, continuing to be a champion, and returned back with a surprise. And when he returned, he came back with a bang. The media was all over him. The media ate it up, and so did everybody else, you know? So he should just think about the bigger picture and take a step back. Yeah, definitely, yeah. man. A little frustrating there for Bud, you know, um, not just for him, but for us fans that want to see Bud get in there and mix it up with somebody of value. Um, all right, man, let's go. If you guys want to call in, you certainly can. Uh, the number is 347-215-7598. We'll be taking calls right now. I just want to touch on uh, the last subject that I have in mind here. Um, and then um, we'll go to our prediction. Ooh, I almost dropped my pin here. We'll go to our predictions uh, what's going to happen on the zone on Saturday night? We'll talk about those fights that are going to happen on Saturday night on the zone. So, um, did you guys hear about? Well, you know, I'll tell you what. When I heard that there was a coronavirus, I was like, "What's wrong with the coronavirus and shit, man?" I love coronas. Put a little lime, put a little hot, you know, the uh, a tapatio in it. Woo, we're all good to yeah. go. But <laughs> it was a completely different virus yeah. that happened over it's in China. Kind so. of, it's a different kind of corona, David. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. you know? <laughs> right, exactly. So, you have the uh, Jose Ramirez who was supposed to be vi- uh, facing Victor uh, Postal. That got canceled. Uh, I saw that Ramirez is a uh, manager slash PR. Um, I think the, he has the man of many hats uh, was saying that he's going to be fi- trying to find a new venue for them to host that fight. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that fight, man. Um, I know, I, I think, Milkar, you were telling me before we got on on the show, you were saying yeah. you were really interested in that fight, and I was like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested, but you know, like they pushed it back. They're gonna have to push back the date, I believe, right? Or, or if they do get another venue to host it, um, I'm okay, if it if it doesn't happen this month or next month, I'm okay if it happens a little down the line. It's not one of those fights that I was clinging on to to witness, man. Right. Well, this is this is me. Obviously, when it comes to boxing, I'm 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 looking for that high. I'm you know I'm a right. I'm a boxing junkie, so I'll I'll watch it, pretty much anything. Um, and I would have obviously watched this fight. And to me, the reason it was interesting is because I don't know where Postal is at. You know, he's put together a, a few wins. Um, he's a former champion. And it's like Ramirez's star is kind of on the on the upside and is rising. Postal's star is uh, clearly, at least at the championship level, been on the decline. And again, we got a tall 140-pounder that can punch against a very aggressive, come-forward, uh, shorter, smaller fighter. And I usually like the way those out those those fights those fights develop. <laughs> So I was I was interested in it, and honestly, uh, it would have made me even more excited about a potential unification fight with Josh Taylor, especially now that he's he's signed with Top Rank. 
so that that's kind of what why I was uh, interested in it. You know, I hope they can get moved somewhere else. Apparently, they went to China in the first place because they got a huge site fee to fight right. over there. I'm sure they'll have to take a pay cut, both guys, if the fight ends up somewhere else. But, you know, DAZN's got big pockets, obviously. Um, they are all about fight season, and they, they wanted to have a big start of the fight season in 2020. Maybe they can find a place to put it on shorter notice and kind of fill up the gap in terms of the, the purses to make sure that it, it still happens. But obviously there are a lot of obstacles to, to the fight, take, to the fight uh, taking place. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I'm curious. Does Victor still carry that stick jab that he's had in the past? Um, sorry, people are calling me. Does he still carry that? Is he, is he, you know, I mean, I, I just don't know where his confidence is at, you know. Uh, I don't know exactly where he's at. I think right now, for me, Jose Ramirez is on a high. You know, he's at his peak. Uh, he seems to have gotten stronger. He seems to have gotten better with his punches, uh, sit, you know, planting his feet and throwing big punches uh, since being with Robert Garcia. So <clears throat> I, I think that it's a very tough fight for um, – I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted – for – Postal. I just think it's just an opponent to keep him busy while he waits for like a Taylor. If he works for uh, waits for uh, progress, uh, guys like that. I think that's what they're waiting for is just to keep him busy, keep him warm, still keep you know adding to the tool shed that Robert Gar- Robert Garcia is doing. So uh, that's the only thing I would be interested in watching it. Other than that, like I said, I wasn't like, oh man, it got canceled, eh, whatever, right? But anyways, if you guys want to call in, you certainly can. 347-215-7598. Let's talk boxing here on Leaving the Ring. Let's go to the phone line, guys. Let's talk some, to some fight fans here. Uh, let's go with area code 510. You're on live right now on Leaving the Ring. Hey, Dave. Hey, Kenny. Hey, Mooko. It's Fernando here in Richmond. How you guys doing? Fernando. Good, Fernando. Good. Just listening to your guys' conversation. Interesting stuff, man. Uh, Awesome. I think I think Bud, yeah, interesting stuff. The last stuff coming up. I think Bud's biggest problem is his lack of charisma, man. Like, <clears throat> like you can match him up with Danny Garcia or uh, Sean Porter. You know, those are good fights. But do they sell right. a pay per view with 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 uh, Terrence Crawford as the A side with him trying to sell the fight? I mean, how much money? You know what I mean? Like the kind of money he's going to be expecting for his first mm-hmm. PBC fight. It almost has to be uh, uh, versus a. Uh, uh, the other PBC guy, I forgot his name. I'm sorry. The guy with the busted jaw. Uh, I'm sorry. The I'm, I'm blanking. The guy with the broken jaw. Was, uh, yeah. Oh, you mean uh, Thurman? Uh, the one that got in a car accident. No, the guy got in a car accident. Uh, oh, oh, Spence. Spence. Spence, right? Yeah, because if he goes over to the PBC side, right? Like, I like Terrence Crawford, right? Like, I think I actually, I honestly think he's the best out of all of them. But as far as the, the too. business side. From the business side, he doesn't sell, man. His pay-per-view, him as an A-side, doesn't have the personality, man. Like, like you said, David, he has a lot more personality on the phone than he does in real life, man. Like a teenager, man. You know, like the teenagers nowadays, man. They're the same way. Um, you know, the, you you know but, what uh, though, bro? Like, like if he was like, see, I've always said that the fighter doesn't need personality if if it, 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 it has to go through his fights. You know what I mean? You know, that's what sells. That's what really would sell him is his fights. But it's the fact that he's not fighting other recognizable names that's not getting him that push, that market push that top rank would really need, you know, because there are other characters in boxing that have been able to been market really easy 
and they weren't very good in front of camera, but but they were able to sell the fights because they were, you know, fighting some of the top tier fighters out there in the world, right? Crawford's just not getting fed that at all. And that's what makes it so hard to, to make him a household name, in my opinion. He needs like Pacquiao, but like Pacquiao didn't want anything to do with him when he was with top rank at the time, you know? And he needs a Danny Garcia because even though Danny, Danny Garcia doesn't really have a very sellable uh, persona, Angel does. A lot of us are always waiting for what Angel Garcia's going to say next. And he was very tamed, actually, for this Saturday fight. Very tamed. You know, uh, even Keith Thurman has a better personality. Keith Thurman, uh, I mean, he's not the greatest dude to, to try to cap on another guy. Uh, capping is when you make fun of other people, Kenny. I know you're in the younger generation hey. and stuff. But that's hey, what hey, we don't, call don't, it. Don't, don't, don't speak about my doppelganger, okay? <laughs> don't speak about my doppelganger, Mr. Thurman. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, brother. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Fernando. Man, he's got to do something here. Um, I like I like Crawford. I do like him. I like his style. I like his aggressiveness. I like his I like the bad boy image that he ends up showing up in the ring, where it really, honestly, in my opinion, it counts. Um, but they, they Bob, I think Bob just needs to suck it up, man, and realize that you know Bob, there's there's room for other big players in the pol- and promoters division. Not just for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, old habits die hard, you know, and uh, Bob, Bob Aram is an old, old man that's been doing what he's doing for a long time, and he's trying to Blame not Bob. change the way he does it. Blame Bob. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely blaming Bob. Right. Oh, and Terrence Crawford, too, because he was the one that signed the contract. I blame Crawford. He signed. He knew what yeah. time it was. I, I also blame Crawford for not taking the B side. I'm, I'm going to continue too. saying that. That too. You know, he he got a big big check. Uh, you know, when he <laughs> when he started with Top Rank, he got a big guarantee in terms of what he's making in terms of his minimum purses, and that's why he took it. But with that came a diminished set of opponents that he could fight, and it the situation is what it is. It's possible that he uh, also lost his chance at making uh, boxing history and becoming one of the greatest to ever fight because if he can't get these fights, it's a wrap for that title, you know? He can't even claim to be, oh, you know, the greatest ever, the, the, the BS title that Mayweather claims, you know? He can't even claim anything like that if he doesn't get these fights. You, you know, know? that's what really pisses me off, man, is that if we had a boxing union that enforce certain, you know, things that happen in the sport, we would yeah. get these, be- these best fights. The, pro- the, the sad part is that we're probably not going to see Crawford fight any of these other names we've been mentioning until he's probably out of his prime, you know? We're just going to get a, yeah. the last bit of him, version of him, uh, you know, in, in a late fight. It's just That's what sucks sometimes about our sport is that, you know, we need a boxing union and we need these certain, you know, uh, uh, to force promoters, you know, with time limits and, 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 and the right, correct rankings, you know, uh, to force them to fight, you know. But, you know, and unfortunately, boxing has always loved to be fractured from since day one, the fractured sport. Yeah. Uh, changing the subject. Changing the subject. Go ahead, Fernando. Which, uh, fight are you guys most excited for Thursday? What fight are you guys most excited for Thursday? You can't say Jake Paul. <laughs> Thank you for taking my phone. Oh, is it Thursday? Is it Thursday? Oh, shit. I thought yeah, it was Saturday. Thursday, bro. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Holy no, it's smoke, a Thursday, dude. yeah. 
Damn. Um, right. I'm more excited to see Tevin uh, 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 Farmer and uh, the, the uh, what's his name? Uh, Diaz, right? Jojo Diaz. Jojo yeah. Diaz. That's yeah, the one I'm interested Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Everything, I'm going to tell you about Jake Paul. Jake Paul, that's my guy. He's the best <laughs> ever. <laughs> I'm interested in seeing what what Boo Boo or Andrade does. Uh, he needs a statement win. If he takes this guy healer twelve, you know, kind of semi boring rounds, you know, he's just not making a case for himself at, at, at be, as being a player at 160 pounds. You know, despite what people think, WBO is still kind of a lesser considered title than the other titles. And nobody's beating down the door to fight him for the WBO title at 160. If if he wants to get a big fight, he's really got to have a statement win here. Oh, man, I, I hate to disappoint you, brother, but he's going to come out and stink up the place. It's his style. Yeah. That's who he is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if anything, you know, what's, you know what's probably good for him, for Andrade, is that since Hurd left his spirit back at the gym, maybe he could find that put that mask on, and come out and be Jared Hurst since we didn't see him this Saturday on Showtime. That would be exciting, but I doubt it. I don't know. (laughs) If you you ask me, he's probably going to be doing his best Danny Jacobs impression. Uh, You know, moving around, looking boring, a hit here, a hit there, not enough to win the fight, and still probably get the decision because he's the more popular fighter. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be boring. He's going to stink up the place, like you said. It's going to smell like feces all over the place. Oh, God. What about you, Fernando? <laughs> what, are you, what are you looking forward to, man, for Thursday? Like, the one I'm most interested in, the, one, the reason I called, too, like, the one I'm most interested in, and maybe you guys can help me, is that Daniel Roman versus uh, Ackerman Daliolev. I got oh, really absolutely. Have that fight for the championship already? Is he really that good? Well, I was discussing this, actually, before we got on the air. Um, it's an interesting fight. He, the guy's got six KOs out of seven wins, seven uh, wins, and... He was an accomplished amateur out of Central Asia, you know, former Soviet Republic, uh, Uzbekistan. Those guys are always good. So I'm interested in that fight as well. And the reason I'm interested in it is because of the unknown factor. I was telling David and Kenny before we got on the air, it reminds me of the days of uh, boxing after dark when I was still in, a kid in school. And I'd look forward to these fights when I didn't really know much about the opponents. Um, granted, yeah. it's a little bit now that we have the internet and we can Google people and look for their fights on YouTube, but he's been high level as an amateur. He's been pretty rock solid so far as a pro. So let's see if this guy can take that, that next step against a really high level opponent in, in Daniel Roman. I'm, I'm intrigued. And don't be surprised that he got moved. He got moved so quickly too, Fernando, because the Europeans they tend to do that. The Eastern uh, uh, fighters they tend to like want uh, after their amateur pedigree, then they jump into the pro ranking, rankings. It's starting to become more of a trend. They want it immediately to get a championship level fight. Um, I think it has to do too with just their mindset and their age, you know, because they stay in the amateur uh, uh, programs a lot longer and later than the Americans or anybody else around the world. Thank you for taking right. my phone call. I appreciate it, man. You guys have a good day. All, All right, right, brother. Thank you for calling, bro. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you. All right, man. Let's patch in on, uh, on another another fight fan here. Uh, we're going to go 
uh, area code, uh, wow, there's a lot of numbers. So 5479, um, this is probably out of the country here. I don't know. This might be our homeboy, Renee. Renee, is that you, Vato? Hello. Yeah, that's me, brother. <laughs> yeah, what's going on, How man? How you doing? <laughs> it's great to hear you guys again. Uh, I just want to talk about a little bit about what you guys were talking about a moment ago. And it, and it and it it connects to the situation that we're seeing with Andrade, right? He's gonna fight Keeler. I don't think many people are impressed with Keeler. He's been calling out Charlo for so long. People compare Andrade with Charlo that he has the skills, what have you. But I see to a certain extent, um, obviously, well, yeah, yeah, I see to a certain extent a similarity. And I'm gonna connect all this, and I want to show you guys a tweet. Interesting tweet that, that came out recently, and I was tagged on it. Um, we see, y'all, you guys saw that uh, Andrade, he recently signed, re-signed again to DAZN. Or so, to match right? Room. Yeah, right? Right. I mm-hmm. don't know how many fights. Was it four fights? I believe it was four fights. Yeah, I would have to go back and double yeah. check. But, yeah, I think you're right. Because we see a same similar thing going on. He re-signed, and I was hoping because I heard he was – he, his contract was going to be up with the zone and what have you with Eddie Hearn. And uh, I was thinking, hopefully he gets out of there so he can go over to PBC maybe, or be an independent agent so far, you know, in boxing so he can fight bigger names, but no. Uh, and he hasn't been fighting big fights at all in the zone. And with Eddie Hearn, same thing we see with Bud, you know, and I want to, I want to share something with you guys real quick. Very interesting. Watch this a, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, I was watching a live on, uh, like I was a moment ago with you guys on YouTube, and um, and this was from Stay Ready as a, a, a boxing channel, Stay Ready on on YouTube, and he was check this out, guys. He was interviewing uh, live on YouTube a uh, trainer Nick Gatlin, and he works with Ronnie Shields. They mm-hmm. work with the Charlo, yeah. They they work with the Charlo brothers, right? And I, I I posted a question. Watch this. I posted a question on the live chat there. And Stay Ready was asking the questions that we were posting. And one of the questions I asked was this. Is, I said, Coach, is politics in boxing really as bad as we hear? You know? And then mm-hmm. the coach, the, the trainer answered this. He said, and this is in Twitter, okay? I was, I was mentioned in it. Uh, let me just read the tweet, okay? It says. Go for it. Uh, and and uh, the the person who retweeted it, I don't even know who this guy. I didn't even know he was listening, but he he put this on Twitter. He, uh, his name is uh, at Lazy Lefty. You can check him out at Lazy Lefty, and he's called Retweet Franchise Champ. And he, and he wrote this: Watching this interview with trainer Nick Gatlin, who works with Ronnie Shields, and and this is where he tagged me at Renee Box Young asked if the politics of boxing are as bad as we hear. And check this out. And he said, in boxing, it's not what about, it's not about how good you can fight. It's about who you know and who you got working for you. That comes from trainer Nick Gatlin, man. So that's the dirty side of boxing. Obviously, a fighter who fights very well can go very far in the sport. Um, But we're seeing this happen with... um, Andrade, we're seeing this happen with Bud Crawford. They're screaming for the best fighters. They want to fight the best, but what happens? Their promoters are not getting them anywhere. I mean, 
uh, go back a little bit with, with the Bud situation. I mean, uh, his personality, like the last caller, his personality is not helping him at all. He's dry. He's serious. Look at his facial expressions, you guys. You guys see the press conferences? He's just serious. He, he gives quick, short answers. I mean, his face is just, just serious all the time. All due respect, <laughs> we all love Bud. We all love him. It's not a question of loving him or hating him. We all love him. It's just that um, he's not proving anything, you know. And unfortunately, we're seeing this, you know, with Bud. We're seeing what with Andrade. Just imagine, you guys, if these two guys uh, didn't re-sign to top rank and he, and if Andrade didn't re-sign to Eddie Hearn, um, these guys would be fighting PBC fighters. Man, it would be it would be lit. It would be lit well, in the world. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing with 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 Andrade. Demetrius Andrade is that who else is he going to sign with? So really, he has no he, there's 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 nobody actually running to his home plate to pick him, you know. Um, so he's I, I think he's just basically forced to take whatever is getting offered immediately. You got to remember too, Andrade was was with uh, um, Starbox was it Starboxing? I can't remember the name. Yeah, yeah no, Star Starboxing. Yeah. Star Right. He was with them for a very long time who they Joe doesn't do very well in getting his fighters fight. They let him sit for a very long time, you know, so he moves on. That's why a lot of other promoters didn't want to mess with Andrade because of the fact that they really didn't know a whole lot about him. Now, going back to what you're saying about the the sport, uh, it's you know, it's it's who you with and how dirty it is. Um, Like I said this many times, the, the sport was 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 born off of corruption. Um, I've had many sit downs with managers and promoters and, and trainers, and we've dug in super deep on particular things about the sport that would make you like literally rethink why you even want to watch, watch the sport. The way the wow. sport works, the way the sport works is it's not who, you know, it's what they have at the moment. Boxing is really solely of what is, the end thing at the moment. And what I mean by that is like, for instance, Al Heyman has all the Walter weights. Okay. He played dominoes and he was able to say bones before anybody else because he got all the chips on his side to say that Crawford did a bad move signing with, 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 with Bob Arum. Yeah, you could say that, but also you got to remember he's believing that Bob is still, and who is still a very major player in the promotional game. He still has very good connections with TV packaging. You know, Bob still can make those moves. The problem with Bob is that Bob has a very high ego. And Bob, and I've always said this, Bob doesn't like to play well with others. Bob likes to do what every other businessman does, is use up all those resources before they revert and give in and say, okay, come on down, let's make this happen. He did it with Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. Remember, everybody was blaming Floyd, which you did in the beginning. You had to, like, point the finger at Floyd, like, come on, Floyd, you know. But towards the end, it was all Bob, you know. You got to blame Bob, you know. Um, But, yeah, and going back with Andrade, man, I mean, I think that signing on with the zone was the best move for him because they'll keep him busy. They'll throw him on there. And eventually – and this is the eventually, it is going to happen. He is going to face uh, Triple G. He is going to face uh, a Charlo because, uh, you know, I, what, what's going on with Canelo right now, Canelo is in such a great position that he can pick and choose what he wants to do and in what division. 
it, you know what I mean? He can go to any division for 154 if he could make 154, which I don't think he can anymore. Um, but he can go from 154 to 175, and it's going to be a big event. Not a big boxing match, but a big event. I know, Milkar, I'm pretty sure you want to put your ten, two cents into this. I mean, look, you said it. You've said it all. Uh, I don't disagree with anything that you just cited there, David. Andrade made the move in terms of re-signing with, with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom so that he can continue to get the DAZN money that he's been receiving. He's been getting paid very, very well by DAZN because, you know, it's their entry into the U.S. market and they're throwing money around like, like crazy. And, you know, he wants a Canelo fight. That's what he wants. You know, he was screaming Canelo's name after his last fight. Canelo signed the DAZN, you know. Um they've potentially got fights there for him with Daniel Jacobs, Billy Joe Saunders, Callum Smith. They've got people in and around that weight class. The issue that he faces, and this is the the problem when you hold a title like the WBO title, all you really have are your mandatories. Um, You can't force yourself into a mandatory position because you're holding the WBO belt. So he can't rise up the rankings of the WBC, the IBF, or the WBA and force a fight, although it would be for lesser money, but with a champion in one, with one of those organizations. So it's like, yes, you've got this lesser title, but because you have that lesser title, you're not uh, capable of fighting anybody with the other titles unless they agree to a unification fight. Um, had he signed with the PBC, maybe he would have gotten big fights. Maybe he wouldn't. We don't know that. Um, so, look, he's trying to play the Canelo sweepstakes. But as you just said, David, Canelo has a lot of options. Yeah. He does not have to fight Buku. And you know what? He's already experienced Lada and, and uh, you know, slick fighters. I don't know he if he does. wants to face another one that's also a southpaw. I, I've always said, said he, I don't think he does. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I, yeah. No, I was gonna say I, I, I've said that uh, uh, before, and I was doing the single podcast. I was like, why would he want to face it? Why would he want to revisit a style that he's always had problems with? You know, he, this is an interesting t- thing too, Renee. What I was thinking about, what you were talking about, Canelo right now is the only fighter that signed on with DAZN with a different mindset of what he was gonna do, whereas like Triple G signed with DAZN with. The, with the impression that I'm going to get the third match with Canelo. Uh, same thing with uh, uh, Bubu here. He got the impression I'm fighting one of the major players uh, in the middleweight division. Canelo basically was like, I'm signing because you're going to offer me $365 million for a, a fight deal, and that's the only reason I'm doing it. But I have a different agenda. That's fucking star power. To literally yeah, go yeah. in there and go, I'm not doing anything that you're telling me to do. Crawford can't do that. Spence can't no. do that. Nobody right now in the boxing world can really basically do that. Um, I don't even know if Manny Pacquiao at the moment of where the stage he's at in his career, if he could do that, you know? And 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 I, I find that so fascinating and also kind of hilarious because – the zone really got, got it up the ass, in my opinion, when they signed on Canelo, because you know they had a whole roadmap of what they wanted yeah. from Canelo. And Canelo was like, nah, not playing ball, cabrones. I'm going to do my own thing. 
Yeah, they and and the thing is, they got double fucked because not only are they paying for him to fight, uh, you know, guys that are not you know huge stars, but they also had to pay Golovkin to fight guys that are not huge stars because they signed <laughs> Golovkin to fight him. So exactly, you know, look at Golovkin's first two fights with the Zone. They haven't been box office. You know, the Devon Chase yeah, fight was another fight, fight, but people weren't exactly excited about it. You know, and then there's obviously the guy who he who he fought first. I'm sorry to disrespect the guy, but I don't even remember his name right now. Um, yes, thank you, Steve Rose. Thank you so much. So again, not only did did the Zone have to pay for all of these Canelo fights, but they also had to pay for Steve Rose versus Golovkin. Yeah, man. And- and that, um, what you call it? Canelo, his first couple fights with the Zone, they were uh, pretty doodle as well. Wasn't it Rocky yeah. Felding? And then uh, Rocky I forgot the other guy. Yeah, so Canelo's being a genius right now. I do think that he can make it to 154. He's only five eight, my guy. He could He's only five eight, but if you look at his body, he struggled at, at to make 154. If you remember that, that's why he was doing those catch catch weights. You know, he's a big kid. Yeah. He's wide. He's not tall, but he's very wide. You know, and yeah. it's it's harder to kind of just shrink down that shape. Um, I, I just don't see him making it 154 unless the money's right. I think he'll go there. But I mean, I I, I, I he's said in numerous interviews, I can't make 154. I'm never going to revisit uh, 154. Hey, I'll tell you, Renee, a really a, a quick story about how dirty boxing is, man. Um, I can't mention his name um, because obviously he still works in the boxing business, but I'm sitting across a particular manager slash promoter and uh, we're going over how certain matches are made. And, you know, at the time uh, my, my co-host and co-partner Gabriel Montoya was doing this thing called the mismatches on max boxing. And uh, there was a lot of people that were upset when Gabriel was writing this report. Uh, Golden Boy particularly was very upset uh, that he was doing this mismatch report. And we're talking to this manager who was not involved with Golden Boy at the time. Um, and he, he was saying, like, look, this is, this, is, this is how boxing sometimes is kind of formed, okay? We have, if you go to Mexico, he's like, there's certain parts of Mexico you can go, or any other world, anywhere, Puerto Rico, whatever, and there's managers that will round up a, 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 a round up a bunch of uh, journeymen's okay or or fighters that really honestly probably have no potential of ever end up on hbo at the time or anywhere of high platform and what these managers would do is they would buy a coal sack and have all these houses which is really cheap right and they would go to these fighters that really honestly are just a body a warm body to show up for a prospect or for an aging champion or for whatever whatever the use is and they would offer them a certain amount of money for a month, every month. And they say, hey, you can live in this cold sack at a house, and we're going to pay the bill. We're going to pay your food, and you can move in your family, and you guys can stay there. Mm-hmm. But when we call you, call upon you to fight, you got to be there. And these fighters are like, okay. And normally <laughs> what it is is that these guys would fight maybe three to four or even five times, bro, in a week. And, and if they got knocked out, well, the state rules are if you get knocked out, you're suspended for six to nine months, depending on how bad, you know, where the, the organization, who's, who's in control of, of, the, of, the, of the, uh, the commission or whatever, right? 
I said, how do you guys get around that? And he says, oh, that's easy. Uh, we either change their ID uh, or we change their trunk, trunks, right? Their, 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 their boxing trunks. And I go, wait a minute. What do you mean change their boxing? He goes, well, sometimes they have to fight two or three times in the same night on the same card. Wow. 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 So, that's crazy. So, you know, when I go back and I look at cases such as like uh, Edwin Valario or – or even like Arturo Gatti, and people go like, man, boxers are crazy, and this and that. I always go back and revert. I've never talked about this on the air, to tell you the truth about what I'm going to say right now, um, which I think I, I – because normally, you know, we should do big pieces. I mean, if you follow Lever Ring for years, you'd remember we are the guys that talked about Al Heyman. We talked about, uh, you know, about the Ali Act, about how bad it was, uh, you know, PDs, et cetera. Uh, but there's something that nobody's really even wanted to bother to touch on. You know, um, only football, and still continuously they're struggling with it. The CTE, um, you know, diagnosis of, of, of football players uh, getting, getting, you know, um, that's happening to them because of them conflicting their heads together when they crash with helmets. If that's happening in football and these these fighters are changing their mood, and, and I mean, these, these football players are becoming suicidal and changing their mood. We've, last year, we just had a few suicides. Last year, we just had a few fo- fighters pass away. Um, you know, why is nobody talking to the commission and bringing up the CTE? Uh, which I'm kind of trying to remember off the top of my head what it means. Um, but it's, if you look it up, it's called CTE. That's something that should be a major concern. Um, I actually got very emotional one time when I was talking to another trainer because they, they had said to me, like, hey, man, uh, what's up with your boy Tristan? How come Tristan doesn't fight no more? And um, I said, you know what, man? I was being very irresponsible as a young father. Didn't take time to really look into the history of boxing or even – even though I, I fought as an amateurs and, you know, I grew up on the sport um, because you – being that young, you could traumatize these children. You can make them, you know, when they get older, they can become very aggressive. They're surrounded with this 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 aura of violence all the time, um, head injuries. You do all these things, and and you know, I love my kids dearly. And I was thinking, like, wow, how, as a father that loves their children so much, I was putting them in this confliction and that's so bad. Don't get me wrong, I love the sport. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a thirsty ghoul. I love the blood and the, the guts of a fighter, but I also I'm very human. I have to look at the dark side, not just the bad management, not just the promoters that fuck over fighters, steal their money or fighters that, that, that are testing with PDs. We have to look at the overall and CTE is one of them that we all start talking about and pointing out, not just PDs is bad for the sport. There are other factors in the sport that we need to start pointing out and helping out our fighters Clean up the sport. Like I said, very fractured sport. It doesn't want to be clean. Anyways, bro, that was my little short rant, man, <laughs> about uh, the the darkness of boxing here on uh, Leave of the Ring. That's awesome feedback, man. Thank you so much. And I would just like to finish off, man, so you guys can get to other callers and stuff. Um, I think it's uh, – I can't find the words, but I think it's – kind of disrespectful to the sport to have these YouTubers and celebrities getting in on this action of pro fighting. You know, I think they should just separate separate that and make it into celebrity boxing or something like that, you know. But, hey, I'm going to leave now, man. Thank you so much. Hopefully I can call next Monday, man. Thank you, guys. Absolutely, bro. Thank Bye. you for the call, man. You know? See you, I love Thank you, man. I think it is, too. But, you know, the thing that I go back and 
think about here, Okar and Kenny, is that boxing has always done that. It's it's not this is not new. Right. If you go back into history, you know, you had wrestlers get in with uh, with pro fighters that were famous. Ali's brought up the top of my head. You know, um, it's always had some type of a sideshow. You know, I don't. I mean, I, I don't like to call Butter Bean a sideshow, but that's what he was. He was, was a four rounder KO king. I was just about to bring up Butterbean. I mean, you were talking a lot earlier about Bob Arum. Bob Arum's who introduced us to Butterbean and Mia St. John. Right, right. He's always had a way of, like, you know, sneaking that way in of of trying to attract the casual fans, you know. Um, you know, there's always, you know, zone. I mean, look, I can't blame zone. They're trying to get people to buy into the subs. They're trying to get those subscriptions, you know? So I, yeah. I, I can't shit on them too bad because they are putting on some good fights with this YouTube guy who I don't know, Jake Paul. Um, yeah, my kids probably know who they are, who he is and stuff. But yeah, I don't know anything about that. I just started watching Lieutenant Lick Me, you know, last night, man. I don't know if you guys even heard of that guy, you know? <laughs> you know? Nah, man. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't bother me none that that the zone has these YouTube fighters coming on. It doesn't make me feel upset in any type of way, uh, because as long as someone can obtain a, a boxing license, as long as they meet the requirements to get a boxing license, they can box professionally. Now, yes, I understand that it takes some people a very very long time to get to the point where they get the demand attention that these YouTubers are demanding. But you have to understand. These aren't unknown people. These people are known more than most right. boxers. They yep. have a bigger following than most boxers. So why don't they hop to the mainstream and grow the sport of boxing uh, just off of the number of viewers that they bring along? Yeah, he's not as great of a boxer as the rest of them, and he's not going to look as good as them as the rest of them, and he's not going to entertain us. We're not going to see what we're looking for. But you know what? The sport of boxing is going to grow some with the amount of viewers that these YouTube guys uh, are going to bring over. So, you know, it doesn't upset me in any way because, hey, if I wanted to go get a boxing license tomorrow and get my ass beat, you know, I got the possibility of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And we all have the opportunity to turn it off if we don't want to watch. I'm not going to. That's what we're going to say. You know, and to be fair, I actually found the Jake Paul. What was the guy's name again? Um, uh, KSI. Uh, it was it was yeah. an it was an entertaining fight, you know. Was it high level? No, but I'm not gonna lie and stay here that I wasn't entertained by it. It was entertaining. Was it world class championship boxing? Of course not. But I wasn't going in to expect that, you know. Right. It, it's kind of like when you know a. a a movie comes out that's just intended to be like a fun comedy or action movie, and then you get the critics panning it as if it was intended to, you know, win awards at Cannes and the Oscars. Nah, people just wanted to go watch a funny movie or, you know, a violent movie, you know, escape a little bit, and that's it. Not everything has to be, you know, for the artsy, fartsy craft, or in our case, the hardcore boxing fans. You, you know how I yeah. kind of look at it? I look at it like the celebrity all-star game, all-star weekend with the NBA. Right. I don't have to yeah. watch that. I don't usually watch it, but it's part of the, it's part of the weekend. 
Thursday, man. Shit. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I can't get used to these Thursday nights. <laughs> well, you know you what? Know? I think it's important that boxing expand beyond Saturday. So I'm not. I'm not against it. Um, I'm not against. I'm not against it. I just have to now adjust my life around it, which is a curse because we used to at least the bitch that we want more fights to happen. We want other particular days, you know what I mean? Now that we got them, you know, I'm now become that one guy like, fuck, it's going to happen Thursday? Like, really? Shit. That means now I got to figure out how to get off of work earlier. Uh, you know, well, yeah. you know what it does? Or, it does do for me. Or guess what? Or take uh, a break from social media for, for a little bit. Just watch it when you get home. I think that's the the move. Um, I'd like to introduce so a little topic, if I can, if I can, guys. Go for uh, it. Uh, Kenny knows, you know, about two years ago, maybe a little bit before then, you know, we were at work, and I'd always just talk about uh, Daniel Dubois, and he, you know, very disrespectfully referred to him by another name <laughs> that I won't repeat here of the airways. It was very disrespectful, but... But uh, no, I, I would never besmirch the man's name by calling him that. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Dynamite Dubois. Huh? At this point, so, it's more of a joke. I think you should say it because you know we know that the guy that legit got dynamite in his hands. At this point, it's more of a joke than it is a reality. No, no. Yeah, point, yeah. What is it, Kenny? Say it, Kenny. Uh, Daniel Dubious Dubois. Now, because he looked a little flimsy and funny in the beginning. We knew he had the power, but he looked a little funny out there. Now it looks like well, he's bringing I'll tell you who looks like like look funny to me, and who's always looked funny, the juggernaut Joe Joyce. And Joe Joyce has said that he's agreed to terms to fight uh, Daniel Dubois. I'm hoping, Ooh. I'm hoping that Daniel Dubois signs those papers because I will literally go to the U.K. I've been, it's been long overdue, a U.K. trip for me. That's yeah, strong milk crush right there, right there. And, Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm a big uh, Dubois fan. I, it's been a while since I've seen my family, my people out there in, in England. So I would love to go over there and watch that fight live. I think it would be a very good uh, matchup, you know, at the domestic level in the UK. It doesn't get much bigger than this. And, you know, I see a, a destruction of, of Joe Joyce oh. uh, in this fight. Oh. And just remember this, Joe, Joe Joyce was regarded a very high prospect to do big oh, yeah. things in the pro rankings in the heavyweight division. But uh, you mean, Joe Joyce has not, for some reason, has, every time I watch him, the only way I can describe his, his speed is like, I feel like I'm watching it on slow motion. You know, yeah. I'm like literally checking on my remote. I'm like, dude, what the, what's going on? I'm like, it's like, is the internet slow? What's going on? Why does it seem so slow? But it's him. And the law is just going to have a field day with, with the choice's style. You it's know, like, like Frankenstein, Frankenstein boxing. Um, Cause he also had his chin super high and exposed, you know, and he, the funny thing is he loves the combination punch. I know. Uh, so I see him just mm-hmm. being wide open for for all of of Dubois' arsenal, whether it's that beautiful jab he throws, uh, whether it's his his right hand, or, or whether it's the hooks or the uppercuts. I mean, I'm 
I'm just really looking forward to to what I think would be a spectacular uh, KO for for Dubois. I agree. I think it'll be an amazing KO for Dubois. Um, Joe Joyce, his defense is lackluster, man. He just gets hit way too much. And when he's trying to let off those combinations, he gets in a little too close. And his slow motion arms aren't fast enough to block the incoming punches. And he gets clobbered on his chin, his cheeks, and his forehead way, way, way too much. Way too much. Yeah, against a dude that has that uh, Dubois dynamite in in them hands, you know that that Wilder type eraser type of shit. Yeah, nah. Bye bye, Joyce. I'm sorry. Yeah, Joyce is gonna be. I mean, when he throws a punch, you can literally hear it. It's like it's taking forever. You know, even his biceps are like, damn dog, hurry up, get there, please. I'm getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, hey, really quick, let's get our predictions here. Uh, we got 15 more more minutes here live here on Leaving the Ring. Um, if you guys did not catch the show live, don't worry about it. We play here on YouTube and also on Blog Talk, Spotify, all you know the Apple iPod, all the other little feeds that we're on. So don't worry about that. So really quick, uh, Emil, Emil Carr, give me your predictions, man, for Thursday nights on the Zone fight card. Unfortunately, I see a kind of a boring 12-round decision. Um, I just hope Luke Keeler brings it um, and kind of draws a fight out of Andrade. If he can bring it and, and draw a fight out, maybe we'll be able to see some kind of drama there. But Boo Boo's been known to kind of, you know, leave us wanting more at the end of his fights. And I kind of see it going that way. Unanimous decision. Um, I honestly don't have a prediction for, for the Roman fight. I think the, I just don't know enough about, about the, the Uzbek opponent. And yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's just, he probably should win, but I, I, again, I just don't know enough about this guy, you know? So, um, and then the, with Diaz and Farmer, you know, I'm hoping Diaz brings it, but my gut tells me Farmer kind of outboxes him and gets the victory. But I hope I hope Diaz brings it. I go for Diaz. You go for Diaz? Yeah, I don't. I like. I don't. I don't. I I don't know who's gonna win. Tevin Farmer is a very good boxer. Uh, he does get hit a lot, but uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I go for Diaz. I just I want Diaz to win, you know. Uh, and I how about Kiel? Yeah, I was gonna say, how about Kiel and Andrade? I wholeheartedly agree with everything Emilcar said. Unanimous twelve round decision win for boring, boring, boring fight win for uh, Andrade. Roman, I, I agree with you, uh, Emilcar. I think that the other guy we just don't have enough information. Um, and for them to take on this fight for a championship fight, such a short amount of time, of, of what he's uh, rallied up in his uh, on his record, there's got to be something there, right? There's got to yeah. be something, you know. So we'll find out. We're gonna find out on Thursday. Uh, going with Keel, Luke Keel, and uh, Demetrius Bubu Andrade uh, for the middleweight title, of which uh, the tricklet of what Bubu, uh, you know, uh, obtains. Um, I see Boo Boo just being Boo Boo, man. Everybody's gonna be like, Boo Boo, shit, this guy's boring. <laughs> that's that's what I see. What's gonna happen with him? And unfortunately, um, 
I don't get too upset about his fights because I already walking into it. I already know what I'm going to get. You know what I mean? It's like walking into a really shitty restaurant. That's the only restaurant around and I'm freaking hungry. I just go like, screw it. And just go to Taco Bell. Sorry if anybody's a Taco Bell fan. I'm not a Taco Bell fan. Okay. I don't like sitting on the toilet 12 hours after, you know, for me to one freaking green burrito from them. But, um, so you get what you expect. And that's what I expect with Boo Boo is to go out there and basically do what Heard could not muster up, be a boxing expert, do circles around his opponent, Jason Kill. It's going to be up to Luke to, to, to cut that ring off, make it into a fight, be aggressive, um, beat, you know, and, and, and some folks are going to say, like, what, Dave, you're gonna, you, you, you condone this? But it's got to be dirty sometimes. You know, he's got to fuster up. Uh, Demetrius, you gotta break his rhythm. The only way sometimes you can break that rhythm is do the Floyd Mayweather forearm. Stick that form out, out there. You know, take a shot to the hip. Slow down your guy by taking some shots to the hip. It's your job to to force the guy to fall into your game plan. Let the ref do his job. You just win there. It's a fight. That's what fights supposed to do. Let the ref do his job tell you stop doing it or take a point away from you. The point is, though, is to try to get that job done, whether it's pretty or not. And a lot of times I hate seeing fighters go in there, try to look pretty getting the win, when sometimes you just can't do it that way. Going on with Tevin Farmer and Jojo Diaz, man, which I believe is probably going to be the best fight of the night. Um, It's a 50-50 chance. Look at Somebody's calling the cops on me about what I just said right now. God damn it. But, uh, <laughs> it's hot in New York City today. That <laughs> is, man. Um, going back with them, um, man, I'm with, I'm, 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 with, I'm with Kenny. I want JoJo Diaz to win. My heart Baby. says JoJo Diaz. But, unfortunately, my boxing brain is telling me, like, dude, you're a fool if you pick JoJo Diaz, man. You better go with Tevin Farmer. <laughs> so, no, I'm on the same page. I'm on the same page. I'd like yeah. to see JoJo get a, get a victory, but, you know, I think all three of us are on the same page on that one. I'd love to see JoJo get the victory. but JoJo's um, got to let those hands go, man. That's what JoJo to. needs to do. He's got to let his hands go. He's got to cut off the ring. He can't follow Tevin Farmer. If he follows Tevin Farmer, it's going to be a long night for JoJo Diaz, you know, okay? You used, always, you used to always hear George Foreman say this, and I'm going to paraphrase him here right now. Mm-hmm. I want to see him go to the body and touch him on the elbows, on the shoulders, anywhere you can hit him. Hit him in the chest. Yep. Just yep. because he, he's always got his head on a swivel, Te, uh, Tevin Farmer does. And right. Kenny mentioned earlier that he gets hit a lot. He actually does get hit a lot, but he rolls those shots because right. his head's always on a swivel. So what really needs to happen here for Diaz is, again, I'm just paraphrasing George Foreman back when he was on HBO. He'd always say this when I was a kid. Just hit him anywhere you can. Go to the body, yeah. hit him on the shoulders, hit him on the elbows, hit him in the chest, hit him, hit him, hit him, and eventually, you know, hopefully you'll break him down a little bit. And the reason why we're just saying that is because if you, if you continue to hit the, the elbow or the shoulder, it makes you readjust your arm because you're like, you're not liking that feel. It's like if you just continuously just keep doing this, you will eventually bruise up that spot because you know yeah. we're made out of we're, we're flesh you know so if you keep if he continues just to hit somewhere just to beat up and i remember george used to say that 
just you know beat him up everywhere beat him up at one spot um it will make him drop his arm it'll make him you know move maybe a different direction so then you can land that punch that you've been looking for the money punch or whatever you have uh you know that you can draw out against your opponent so i I just go back with jojo to me it could be a night for him if he lets his hands go and he cuts the ring ring off and he doesn't follow Tevin Farmer. Tevin Farmer to me just got to be Tevin Farmer, in my opinion. You know, um, the swivel of the head he's got to correct, but that's something that you know if he's not if he hasn't corrected yet, it's not going to be correct on on Thursday night. I just don't see that happening. But I think those are my predictions. I, I I'm thinking it goes twelve rounds. Uh, I, I'm going to go with a split decision, guys. I think that it, it might be – I think that Joe may be able to muster up those early rounds because he's going to go so energetic. He's going to be stoked, uh, go out there. But I think eventually what's going to happen is Farmer's just going to, you know, outmaneuver him, outbox him. Uh, JoJo, if conditioning is not up to par, will slow down in those mid-rounds. And I think Farmer can just, like, completely just take over. So, split decision for me. Andrade, I believe it's a unanimous decision. Uh, Roman, I don't know. You know, that one's up in the air for me. Uh, I don't know too much about the YouTube kids, so I'm not going to say. I didn't even watch that last fight he had with the whatever yeah. the other guy, KSI, whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I promised you, David, I'd do this. So, here here's my best shot, okay? Daniel Roman is facing Murojan Akhmadaliev. I think I did pretty well there. More than Akhmadaliev. So this is the one fight I'm the most excited about again. I don't know enough about Akhmadaliev. His handlers are obviously very, very, very high and have a lot of confidence here. Because for for them to throw him in against Daniel Roman, like I said, who is an elite level of of pro, pro fighter unified champ, the only thing I could see them thinking maybe is, look, Roman hasn't been known for having the best punching power, right? He's got 10 KOs out of 27 wins. Uh, he has been beaten twice, but it's a big risk. And, you know, like Kenny, you were saying earlier, sometimes guys have to make take risks, right, if they, yeah. if they want to define their careers. So it's, yeah. it's an interesting fight for me to watch for sure. I, I think it's going to be a very boring day in boxing. Uh I don't look forward to the whole day as a, as a whole. It's gonna be, yeah, it's just a bunch of whatever. Uh, I will enjoy uh, <laughs> and Seven Farmer, I guess, the most. I don't know what to expect from that other fight, so I don't know whether I'm enjoy it or not. What I look forward to the most, you guys don't think I'm dumb as a boxer fan, is actually Jake Paul and this other uh, YouTube guy. Why? Because it's gonna be a like I feel it's gonna be like a unskilled slugfest. And, you know, hmm. on a boring day of boxing when there's going to be a hell of a lot of people running around for the entire fight, I want to see some people get pounded. So I think that's definitely going to be like uh, the, the one fight where you're going to see a slugfest. People get pounded in a semi-unskilled boxing event, you know. It'll bring the most excitement, in my opinion. And then you go back to Boo Andre being bored. Hmm. You know, Amir, Amilcar, I think the pointy yeah. hair kid has something there. I, I have to agree with them. <laughs> 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 yeah, I didn't think about that. I think you're right. I think you're right, Kenny. Why not? I mean, if they're going to go out there and try to take their heads off, you know, sometimes, just sometimes, skills always intrigue everybody, you know? We do want to see some, uh, some, some, you know, collision. That's why there's a lot of people that gravitated towards MMA. They want to see 
collision. They're not all about skills. They just want to see guys just go out there and just clash. So, yeah, well, I agree. I think it's a good mix. Go ahead. People also gradu- uh, you know, uh, gravitated towards the tough man competitions and, you right. know, bump fights and fucking Kimbo Slice. So, yeah, boy. You know, right. You know, they're, they're, they're entertaining on a certain level, but they're not entertaining as, you know, skillful boxing matches, if that makes sense. No, you're right, because I can only watch one unskillful match, and then I'm kind of done with it. I'm like, all right, you know, because my problem is, is that I grew up in this sport since such a, such a young age, and then, you know, analyzing and breaking it down is that my brain only knows how to operate like that now. You know, when I watch it, like, oh, my God, this guy's fucking feet are t-. My kids literally hate watching fights with me. Because I'll be like, oh, my God, look at this footwork. Like, what the hell? My, my kids are like, yeah, we're trying to enjoy it. You know what I mean? And you're over here breaking it down and commentating what's happening in front of us. We just want to watch it, you know? So that's, that's only my thing is that I agree with you, Milkar, is that I could probably watch one, then that's it for me for the whole night. I'll tell you what I'm looking for, though, too, for a Thursday night is an excuse to have a beer. Because normally I can't have a beer here at home yeah. on a Thursday, you know? I have to wait till Friday or Saturday, but I could do it on a Thursday night. Because the fights are on. So thank you, Dizone. I greatly appreciate it. Anyways, uh, everybody, I hope you guys had a great time here on Leaving the Ring. I know I certainly did. I always have fun talking to the fellas here, Kenny and Amilcar. Um, again, we'll be back Monday here on the show, live on YouTube and on Blog Talk. If you don't catch this live, don't worry about it. Don't send me any emails saying, oh, where can I find it? You can find us everywhere. If you got iTunes, Apple Podcasts, if you got Spotify, uh, iHeart, um, what else? Uh, Blog Talk, uh, uh, Audio Boom, and now you can see us live here on YouTube. We will catch the Google Podcast, Google Podcast, yeah, all that good fun stuff that you get on your phone. You can find us on there and tune in and listen. Uh, you can also email us at Leaving the Ring. You can follow each and one of us as Handler, uh, Emil Car. You can follow Emil Car on his Twitter feed. You guys can see that up on YouTube. Follow mine. Oh, real quick, just a real quick note here. If you're going to bitch and moan about me or what we said on leaving the ring, which I don't mind, guys. I really do enjoy reading some of the criticisms of either the way we pronounce or the way we talk or what we said. You didn't agree with it. I love all that. But you got to set it to the right Twitter handle, which is uh, mine is at leaving the ring, which would be L-I-I-T-R, then boxing. Don't go to the 97 rough. Okay, because I don't even know how to get back on the 97 with uh, a Twitter handle. So I can't respond back to you guys and stuff. I've seen a few folks responding to me there and kind of telling me off or telling me that, you know, oh, no, you're wrong about this or you guys were wrong about this and, you know, defending Crawford or top rank. I appreciate it. I do like the feedback. I do like debates. I like I like grown up debates. not the name calling debates that there. I won't even answer back to you guys. But anyways, uh, again. Guys, have a great weekend. Don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. Fellas? Awesome. Thank you. And, yo, let's give ourselves a round of applause. We did a whole YouTube show, and it went great. Right? Yeah. Technical over with. So let's clap that up, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have an amazing night. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Caballero.